everyone. This Bible reading is from John 8, 12 to 30, page 10272. Yep. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him, Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. <clears throat> Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I come from and where I'm going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on to no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I'm not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, Where is your Father? You do not know me, or my Father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the palace where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Once more Jesus said to them, I am going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. You will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? they asked. Just what I've been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy, and what I've heard from him, I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father, so Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. Good morning again. Let's pray. If I could get the screen changed over, that'd be good. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. 
It brings light and life into our hearts and minds. And Father, we just pray that the light would shine into our hearts and minds today and help us to follow Jesus more faithfully. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, we kick off or re-kick off our series in John's Gospel this morning. And if you're new with us in the last nine months, uh, we've been travelling over the last two years for Term 1 through John's Gospel. And we're up to Chapter 8. In other words, we're taking our time. Um, And there's such wonderful material in John, we didn't want to rush through it. And that is the case again this term. We're going to be going from Chapters 8 through to Chapters 12. Uh, We are going to come back a little bit later in the year and finish off Chapters 13 to 17. Uh, We do want to finish this journey at some point. So... Today we recommence the journey in chapter 8 and we're looking particularly at this wonderful story uh, where Jesus speaks to us and says he is the light of the world. And I want to begin as we start by asking the question, what is light? As we think about Jesus claiming that he is the light of the world. And what we know from the very first verses of scripture, and if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, what we find is this, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters and God said, let there be light and there was light. In other words, the very first thing that was created by God was light. And to do some uh, research on this, I rang a friend of mine, the professor of physics from Wollongong University. He's a specialist in researching light. He gave me some very interesting things uh, to talk about. Um, for those who are tech heads, um, light is both a wave and a particle. Um, if that doesn't mean anything to you, it didn't mean much to me either, but he was very excited about it. Um, but I want to give you five things that speak of the indispensable and absolute foundational nature of light to our world that we live in. And when you understand this, you'll see why it actually is the first thing created. Um, Light is the source or sole source of food generation for all light organisms on the earth. In other words, no light, no food. It's that simple. Uh, Without light, nothing is generated to grow, except for a few bacteria. Almost all living beings depend on light for their food and energy. In other words, light equals eating. Um, Secondly, light enables vision. All people, animals, birds can see objects around them due to having eyes. But just think about what happens when the lights go off and it's dark. You can't see anything, can you? So the eyes only function if you've got light to allow them to work. And so we can only eat because of light. We can only see because of light. Um, Thirdly... Light maintains temperature. Light's a form of energy. And sunlight gives Earth a huge amount of energy by which the temperature on the Earth is maintained such that life can exist. And so it's food, it's vision, but it's actually an energy source. And you don't have to think far about solar panels. They happen because of light. The sun shines. And so light maintains our temperature. Uh, Fourth thing is it creates the water cycle through drying and evaporation. This enables fresh water to be produced and let me say you can live for many days without food. Uh, I think Jesus went 40 days in the desert but what you can't do is live without water. It's an absolute essential part of our bodies. I think 50% of our actual physical constitution is water. And light creates the water cycle through drying and evaporation. Lastly, um, light produces vitamin D and it makes you happy. 
Um, there's a synthesis with hormones below the skin and you get this vitamin D, which uh, is created as a result. And without vitamin D, you'll be sick. It's one of the reasons why when you're sick, you actually go out and sit in the sun. It makes you feel a bit better. Um, I often think about the different nations in the world and the different dispositions they have. And if you want to contrast, say, the British uh, with the uh, Fijians, uh, which ones are the happiest? Anyway, I'll just leave it there. Um, just wonder how much light they get. My daughter's just come back from London and she's very happy. Um, anyway, well, she's in the sun, you know, and she's with her dad, so, you know, it's all good. Now, do you get what I'm saying? You cannot actually conceive of a world, and the world actually can't exist, without light. It is that profoundly fundamental to our human existence and to the operation of this world that we live in. It affects everything. And it's with that in mind that you need to hear these words. Because it's no accident when Jesus uses metaphors to describe who he is. And in one of the most famous ones, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, it's an enormous big claim that he makes here. When you think about the enormity of what light is, he's saying, when you think about life, actually, I am the light of the world. And in this passage, there's three things uh, I want us to see. Firstly, Jesus brings life. Secondly, people will dispute this. Thirdly, the cross is the key. Let's have a look at the first one of those, Jesus brings life. When you read through John's Gospel, at the very heart of this message is that Jesus is the one who brings life. That is the simple message of John's Gospel. You meet Jesus, you'll find life. It starts at the very beginning in what's called the prologue, often read at Christmas time. In him was life, and that life was the light of all humanity. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so he speaks here in the sense, this is John reflecting on Jesus at, at a big level. He is life, and the light that Jesus brings shines in the darkness. I think he's speaking spiritually at that point, and the darkness has not overcome it. In other words, this light is one that will not go out. Now you get to the end of the gospel, and John summarizes his message in chapter 20, verse 31. Having spoken of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, he gets to the point and he says this, many things uh, have been written, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. In other words, the whole purpose he writes John's Gospel is that so you will find life, spiritual life, life eternal through knowing Jesus. So what does it mean that he brings light and life to our world? I want you to think physically about what it's like to walk in darkness, physically. Now it's interesting, it's very hard to get a total removal of light. Even in the dead of night, you'll have the moon shining, you'll have the stars. You can go into a room and block out all the windows and go into complete darkness. Imagine you're in that room. There's no crevice where light is shining through. There are no stars above you to give you some sense of illumination. There is just darkness. Now, it's a 
horrific picture. It's a scary picture to think of living in that reality. It's interesting when Jesus speaks of the coming judgment of God, one of the pictures he paints is of darkness. And darkness speaks of no life, of no light, of no meaning, of no purpose, of no love. And the light that Jesus brings, obviously we have physical light in this world. He is speaking of life in terms of meaning, purpose, relationship with God, and all of the things that we would think are life. Now, people, whether they know God or not, experience life. We experience relationships, we experience meaning, we experience purpose. We experience joy and happiness. All of this really is life that is a gift of God. It's what the theologians call the common graces of God that all people experience, whether we know God or not, we actually experience some sense of life. Now, Jesus is saying all of that actually comes from him. All of it. And that you will find real life by connecting with him, by following him. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And the life that he brings is an eternal life, and it is a full life. It is a life that will go beyond the judgment into eternity. And it's through relationship with him. And when I think about the life that Jesus brings, I think about having a new identity in Christ. I'm not defined by my work. I'm not defined by my habits, my failures, my family. I'm defined by Christ. I am his child. I'm a child of the Heavenly Father. I'm a brother with Christ. I'm a new person in Christ. I am forgiven in Christ. I am loved in Christ. And I am a child of the King in Christ. And you see, this is the life that he brings us. And because of who I am, I have a new purpose and a new joy and a new direction as I follow the Lord Jesus Christ in this world into eternity. I have an assurance that at the judgment when my sins are revealed, they are covered by the blood of Christ in his death for me. And I'll be welcomed home into eternity. And so I have a life that absolutely has changed me. It's changed my direction, my purpose, my joy, my sense of who I am. And when you read through John's Gospel, this is exactly what you find. Story after story of people who are walking in darkness and then they meet Christ. And their life is changed and altered and turned around. Chapter 3, Nicodemus starts to see the light and come out of the fog and the darkness of religion. Chapter 4, a woman meets Jesus at the well. And she starts to leave the darkness of despair and broken relationships as she walks and starts to follow Jesus. And I could go on and on, and the most profound one, really, from a physical point of view, is in the next chapter, chapter 9, of a blind man, blind from birth, who Jesus not just shines spiritual light into his heart and mind, but physical light as he opens his eyes. 
And I love what he says to the Pharisees in chapter 9. We're going to come to it in a couple of weeks' time. When the Pharisees are wanting to dismiss Jesus' great miracle of healing this blind man, the blind man says, kind of like, get a grip. I don't know much about him, but what I do know is I was blind and now I see. And the story ends with him on his knees before the Lord Jesus worshipping him. And it's worth saying, if you're here today and you know that you've been walking in the darkness, spiritually speaking, in terms of God, you've been away from God. The good news is Jesus is the light of the world and he's come to shine that light into not just my heart, our hearts, but your heart and your mind and your life. And if you want to take hold of that, it comes through following him. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. At the heart of the Christian faith is not a set of rules. At the heart of the Christian faith is a person that we follow. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it absolutely changes our life, our ethics, our behavior in every aspect, from our money, from our orientation, our goals, our dreams, our relationships, our sexual ethics, you name it, it'll change it all. As you allow Jesus to instruct you on how life is to be lived and where real life is to be found. But at the heart, it's following a king, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I can come back to the prayer and fasting week, One of the reasons I put this on is to allow us to reorientate the path that we're walking on. And Jesus says very clearly in the Sermon on the Mount, there are two pathways in life. One is very broad and there's many people on it and there's another path that is narrow and it winds and there's few people on it. He said this broad path which most people walk on is a path that has its end point in destruction, in darkness eternally. It's the narrow path, the winding one, that leads to life. And he says, come and follow me on it and find life. And I don't know what you're like, but at the start of the year, I just need to reorientate myself and remind myself that that's the pathway I've got to walk on this year. And I don't know if you're walking faithfully down the middle of the road on the narrow path Or perhaps you're tempted to stray because you see the broad path that is easy and that lots of people are on and there's lots of sparkly things on it that will attract your attention. Away from the narrow path of following Jesus. But one of the reasons I put the week of prayer and fasting on is it just enables us to reorientate our year and there's no doubt as I get hungry tomorrow lunchtime and I'm thinking about some nice Vietnamese food, perhaps from the uh, takeaway shop on the Corso. And you can just smell the basil in the uh, faux broth, I mean. <laughs> and the afterburn of the chilli. It's just like, I just love food. <laughs> it just reminds me, I don't live on bread and water and faux soup and dumplings and sashimi kingfish alone. I live because of Christ and the life he gives me. And that's what I need to reorientate myself to every year. It's a time to reset our compass. 
And I know everyone's got different capacities and you've got different challenges and people have some very physical work to do and I don't want to dictate absolutely, I don't want to compare. But do get involved as you can for the first reason of just reorientating your life to the narrow path of following Jesus in the world and realising actually it leads to life. And the pathway we are on, the saviour we are following is the light of the world and he's the one who shines light and life into our lives. Jesus brings life. Secondly, uh, as we think about pugging into the prayer of fasting week, people don't get it. When you're on the inside of something good and you're experiencing the goodness and life that comes from it, you sometimes can look out and think, why doesn't everyone get this? And I've had this on numerous occasions in terms of explaining the Christian faith to people. And the kind of glazed over look comes and you just know emotionally they're not engaged and they're not interested. And I had a moment at Wollongong campus when I was down there as a young minister and I was out sharing the gospel with people at the university and this poor girl I spoke to about the Christian faith and I just was so excited about sharing about Jesus and about the wonderful news of the gospel and about forgiveness of sins about eternal life and she just wasn't interested and I just kept going because I was just so excited and she just was kind of just backing away and and I wasn't emotionally reading the situation well I should have just stopped but I didn't because I just couldn't work out why can't you get this but yet that's a reality with spiritual things Um, one of the things that I did when I came up here was I was a surfer and I love going surfing Um, but a number of years ago a number of you know I had a skateboarding accident and uh, came off the skateboard I was riding, going down for a coffee, um, basically went off the pathway onto the road and was thinking about my sermon that I was going to give to you and uh, didn't see the sand and the skateboard stopped and I didn't. Um, I went surfing the next week and I just couldn't push up on the board because I'd damaged my wrist. I wasn't broken, but I basically found out uh, through some x-ray imaging that I'd torn ligaments in the wrist and it took ages to heal. And I went to the physio, John Appleby from 5 o'clock, and he said, look, a good thing to do for rehab would be swimming. Why don't you join the Pink Caps? Now, let me say, I'd been invited to the Pink Caps many times uh, by Bruce Baird, who comes here. And uh, I gave him a polite, yeah, I'll have a think about it, Bruce. While deep down thinking, gee, that looks stupid. I mean, honestly, you see them down there at 7 o'clock in the morning. And they're not just swimming caps they're wearing. I mean, who wants to wear a swimming cap? Let's be honest. They're hot pink swimming caps. They just look ridiculous. Anyway, out of desperation to get better, I went down and swam with them. They gave me the pink cap, I put it on, so anyway. Um, now I'm down there three, four times a week, and uh, I invite everyone, come on down, it's fantastic. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because I've experienced it. And I know we've got numbers of pink cappers here this morning, and uh, we proudly wear our pink caps. Um, but there's a, a physical just joy out of the exercise, which is just wonderful, as well as a community that you're a part of. And it's been a wonderful experience. And until I'd actually tried it, I just didn't get it. And it's the same with the Christian faith. And so have a look at this reaction in verse 13 in uh, chapter 8, page 1072. Jesus has just said to the Pharisees, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't walk in darkness. The Pharisees challenged him. Well, here you are appearing as your own witness and your testimony is not valid. 
In other words, what you're saying, well, it can't be verified. Anyone can say they're the light of the world. How can we verify that what you're saying is true? Actually, it's nuts what you're saying. It's false. It's ridiculous. And this is Jesus' response. He says, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you have no idea where I came from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I'm not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it's written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your Father? Well, you do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the palace where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Now, it's a long argument. But if I can sum it up for, if I can say us today, what Jesus is saying is this. What I'm saying is true. I actually am the light of the world. The problem is you don't get me or understand me because you don't realize where I've come from. And I've actually come from heaven. And secondly, you don't get this because you don't know my Father, of whom I am the Son. And I've come from the Heavenly Father, and because you don't know Him, you don't know me. Now what he's saying is actually they don't know God. And isn't this the problem of doing ministry in the world today? People don't know our Heavenly Father. In fact, they're far from him. The Jews of the day didn't get Jesus because his message was so radical to them. They just couldn't understand it and actually they didn't know God. And it's the same in our, what I'd call a post-Christian culture where the issues are different to the first century, no doubt, but the response to the message of Jesus is very similar. People don't get it. And our culture does not know God. And in some circles, ridicules the whole concept of the church and the Christian faith. To speak of a saviour for the world who is unique is seen as ridiculous. That Jesus would be the only way you could reach heaven is seen as incredibly narrow. It's kind of extremist to speak of judgment and hell. And so people write off the Christian faith, they'll have a nice Jesus that you can put on the shelf at Christmas time. They won't mind you talking about him offering some sort of improvement to life, that he's a great teacher, but the Jesus who stands over history and who will judge the world, that's not a very popular figure in today's age. And let me say that is the Jesus who offers light to the world, he's a, he's a, he is the risen son who critiques and judges the world. And this is his response to the Jewish leaders of the day. He continued, but you are from below, I'm from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. You see, he's not meek and mild Jesus. He's a very confrontational character at times, who confronts you with the reality of who you are and who he is and says, you're either for me or you're against me. And to these leaders who are against him, he says, actually, you will indeed die in your sins. And this is the sharp end of the gospel. It calls people to follow Jesus against all other options. He is the unique saviour of the world. 
And sadly, people don't get this. And so what are we to do about that? Well, it's interesting how he finishes this passage. In verse 27, the Jews um, are summarised by the Apostle John in this editorial observation. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. They just didn't know God. But the hope is here in verse 28. Have a look. When you have lifted up the Son of Man... Then you will know that I am he. In other words, the moment of insight and revelation when light will come in to the darkness will come when the Son of Man is lifted up. Now, what's he saying there? When you've lifted up the Son of Man. The Son of Man was this figure in the Old Testament from the book of Daniel. And Daniel has a dream where he sees the Son of Man ascend to the throne and receives the kingdom. He's this figure who has all the authority of God and is in charge of the kingdoms of the world and the kingdom of God and he says when you have lifted up the son of man then you'll know that I am he now he's speaking about himself and there's two times that the son of man was lifted up firstly by Roman soldiers on a cross and the one who has the full authority of God in heaven was lifted up and died for the world and when you see him lifted up And you see him lifted for you and for your sin. Light shines into the darkness. As we realise there is a God who loves us. And shines the light of his gospel, his love, his forgiveness and grace. Into the darkness of our sin and failure. But there's a second time the Son of Man is lifted up. It's when he ascended to heaven. And when you see the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and you realise that the one who hung there for you for your sins has conquered death and has risen and has ascended to heaven, you realise that the one who speaks and says, I am the light of the world, is actually the king of this world. He's the saviour of this world. He rules this world. And the leaders of Israel, the people of Israel... They didn't get this until they saw him lifted up. And when he was lifted up on the cross and when he was lifted up and raised from death to life, that's when the turning of men and women's hearts to the Lord Jesus began. At all levels of society, as the light of the gospel shone into the darkness of their hearts. You see, it's in the gospel that we see darkness overcome. We see light enter people's lives. And the gospel is light and life because it proclaims the resurrection and the death of our Lord Jesus Christ and it offers hope and life and forgiveness through him. The vision of our church is that we would grow God's church through the gospel. And so it's wonderful to start here this term at John chapter 8 and hear these words that Jesus is the light of the world. Because it is the gospel that grows the church, the message of Jesus who dies and rises again and is ascended to heaven and rules on high. And that message calls people into the light and to walk in the freedom of forgiveness and love. And it's what grows the church and that's what we're on about. But at a practical point of view, how do we do that? Well, the mission of the church is to make faithful disciples who share God's love, grace and truth in manly and beyond. 
And I want to speak of those three words because you see, we are called to go out into the world and to bring his love, grace and truth to bear. And in a world that does not get the gospel and doesn't understand Jesus, to just go and mention his name typically won't make an impact. My prayer is that when people engage with people from St. Matthew's and in fact all churches, what they will meet is faithful disciples who are known by three things, grace, love and truth. And I've been on about this every time uh, ever since I've been here because I'm profoundly convicted that what we need to be is people who look different to the world, who feel different to the world and who speak of the one who has changed their life and created that difference that when they meet us, they meet someone who wasn't who they were prior to meeting Christ and having the light of his love shine in our life. They meet someone who's been transformed by God's amazing grace, such that your friends look at you, your colleagues look at you, and they can see that there is something about you that is different to the world and different to their colleagues and different to their family and different to their friends. And it's God's grace that has totally changed you it doesn't mean you're perfect it doesn't mean you've arrived it just means you weren't who you once were you're on a journey of transformation and the way they experience you is they experience love they don't meet a condemnation they don't meet judgment they meet love and acceptance they meet someone who cares for them with an uncommon love A love that reaches out to those in need. A love that lifts people up. A love that takes time and care to minister to those around them, both those above and those below. And when they hear you speak, and when they hear me speak, we testify to the one who has shone light into our life, the Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, that is our mission, to make disciples who share God's love, grace and truth in manly and beyond. And it comes as the light of Jesus Christ shines in our life. And friends, as we start the year, may that be our prayer that we would be a light here in manly, that we individually would be a light to those around us. Manly is such a beautiful place to live but yet there is a darkness here is a suburb that does not know Jesus and we need to bring the light of the gospel and the love grace and truth of it to bear and to be experienced and to invite people into that light and to begin following Jesus well this week is all about setting the foundation for that and praying and fasting that the kingdom of God would come in power. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the incredible blessing of knowing you. May your light shine brightly in our lives and may we be a bright shining light with your grace, love and truth to this world. In Jesus' name, amen.